0: Before we come to prime minister's questions, I would like to point out that the British Sign Language interpretation of proceedings is available to watch on Parliament Live
1: TV. I start with questions to the prime minister. When you're ready, Mr. Davis, we'll start. Kirsty Blackman.
2: Question one, Mr. Speaker. Prime
3: Minister. Mr. Speaker, I know the whole House will want to join me in sending condolences to the First Minister of Wales on the death of his wife Claire. I know from the warmth of the tributes made how much she will be missed. Mr. Speaker, this morning I had meetings with ministerial colleagues and others. In addition to my duties in this House, I shall have further such meetings later today.
4: As the Prime Minister reaches hundred days in office this week, having pledged a government Having pledged pledged a government marked by integrity, what are his thoughts on the UK being one of only five countries, along with Oman, Azerbaijan, Myanmar and Qatar, that has seen a decrease in Transparency International's Corruption Index score since last year?
3: Mr. Speaker, uh, in, f- in fact, there is widespread wide recognition and support for the UK's approach to transparency uh, and indeed tackling corruption. Indeed, the most recent report, the most recent report from the FATF body, uh, commended the UK for the steps that it had
1: taken. Sir Robert Neal, thank, thank you, Mr. Speaker. I refer to my entry in the register of interests. Arts Council England was established to increase access to great art for the population. There is real concern and anger that their current funding decisions do the exact reverse of that on the basis of inadequate evidence and a lack of transparency in the process. Will my Right Honourable Friend meet with me and other concerned members to discuss the situation in which centres of national excellence like English natural opera are at risk of closure and discuss a way in which we can reform the operations of Arts Council, which many people no longer feel is fit for purpose?
3: Well, Mr. Speaker, I know that this is an issue that my honourable friend deeply cares about. Uh, he will know that decisions made by the Arts Council are taken at arm's length from government. DCMs ministers have been assured that that process was robust, but I will ensure that he gets a meeting with a relevant minister to discuss this important matter further.
0: We now come to the leader of the opposition, Keir Starmer. Yeah!
1: Thank you, Mr Speaker. Can I join the Prime Minister in his words about the First Minister of Wales and the sad loss of his wife? Everybody, I think, knows just how close they were, um, and I know that he's absolutely devastated um, by her loss at the weekend. Mr. Speaker, when the Prime Minister briefly emerged from his hibernation at the weekend, he raised more questions than answers. So, in the interests of integrity and accountability, can he set the record straight? Did his now former chair tell government officials that he was under investigation by the taxman before or after the Prime Minister appointed him? Yeah.
4: Prime Minister, uh,
3: M- Mr. Speaker, I appointed the Independent Adviser to investigate this matter fully. He, he has set out his findings in detail over the weekend, and on receipt of those findings I took action, and I refer the hon. Gentleman to the Independent Adviser's report. Uh, uh,
1: c- oh, come on, anyone picking, a, anyone picking up a newspaper in July last year would have known the HMRC and the National Crime Agency were investigating months before he appointed him. Yeah, yeah. Mr Speaker, the Independent, 6th of July, new Chancellor's finances secretly investigated by the National Crime Agency. National the Observer, three days later, 9th of July, revealed officials raised flag over tax affairs before he was appointed Chancellor. The Financial Times, the next day, 10th of July, pressure bills to explain his finances. Is he saying... His officials hid this information from him, or was he just too incurious to ask any questions? Mr Speaker, as
3: I said before at the Dispatch Box, the usual appointments process was followed with respect to the Minister without portfolio. No issues were raised with me at the time of his appointment. But as the Independent Adviser's report makes clear... There was a serious breach of the ministerial code, and that's why I took decisive action on receipt
1: of that report. So, in relation to his former chair, his defence is, nobody told me, I didn't know, I didn't ask any questions. Is the Prime Minister now also going to claim that he was the... Order, Prime, Prime Minister. Mr Gullis, we heard enough last week. I can't hear what you're saying. I might not be able to hear what you're saying, but I can certainly see your mouth moving. It will be moving outside if it continues. Prime Minister. So, for his former chair, nobody told me. I didn't know. I didn't ask any questions. Is the Prime Minister now also going to claim that he's the only person completely unaware of serious allegations of bullying against the Deputy Prime Minister before he appointed him?
2: Prime Minister.
1: Mr Speaker. Mr
3: Speaker. The... The hon. Gentleman asked uh, these questions about what was known, and I followed due process. I appointed an independent adviser. As, as, uh, as soon as I was made aware of new information, the independent advisers conducted this process. But if he is so concerned about what people are saying and is so concerned about behaviour in public life, then recently one of his own MPs was forced to speak out. Because being in his party had reminded her of being in an abusive relationship. And then, and then, and then his own office was caught undermining her. He ought to be supporting her and her colleagues. But if he can't be trusted to stand up for the women in his party, he can't be trusted to stand up for Britain.
1: Mr. Speaker. At the last count, the Deputy Prime Minister was facing 24 separate allegations of bullying. According to recent reports, some of the complainants were physically sick. One says they were left suicidal. How would he feel if one of his friends or relatives was being forced to work for a bully simply because the man at the top was too weak to do anything about it? Mr Speaker,
3: I, I noticed he did not say anything about why one of his own MPs describes being in his own party. And Ms. Niffa, When I was made aware of formal complaints, I instructed a leading independent KC to conduct an investigation, because I take action when these things happen. But what did he say at the weekend? He said at the weekend that hate had been allowed to spread unchallenged in the Labour Party under his predecessor. He was speaking as if he wasn't even there, but he was sitting right next to him, supporting him for four long years, not challenging, and it is typical of him, Mr Speaker, declining to lead, sitting on the fence, carping from the sidelines, and and never standing up for a principle that matters.
1: I want to hear both sides, and I'm not going to be interrupted by either side. And I'm particularly looking for people who want to continue this, because we will sort it out today. Keir Starmer. Speaker, he's just like one of his predecessors who treated questions about conduct as something to brush off, who thought that ducking responsibility was a perfectly reasonable response for a Prime At least in fairness, his predecessor didn't go around pretending he was a paragon of integrity and accountability. (laughs) On that subject, was it a coincidence that the two people who arranged an £800,000 line of credit for the former Prime Minister were both shortlisted for plum jobs at the BBC and the British Council? Prime Minister, Mr. Speaker, Mr.
3: Speaker. As we addressed previously, the appointments process for the BBC chairman is rigorous, it's transparent, it's set out in a public code of conduct, and indeed, and indeed, was fully supported not just by an expert panel members, but also by the cross party DCMS select committee, including, including where Labour members describe the appointment as impressive. But, Mr. Speaker, Mr. Speaker, back. Back, back this week, in terms of what is actually happening to the people of this country, he voted. He voted this week with the unions to oppose minimum safety levels. He voted with Just Stop Oil to water down the public order bill. And what do the unions and Just Stop Oil have in common? They bankroll him and his party, Mr. Speaker. So while he sides with extremist protesters and union bosses, we stand up for hardworking Britons and schoolchildren.
1: To 13 years in power, trying to blame the Labour Party for his failure to sort out the strikes is its rank pathetic. The Tory party's addiction to sleaze and scandal has done huge damage to this country and the cost to the public keeps adding up. We have got a justice system letting murderers walk the streets, heart attack victims waiting hours for an ambulance, an economy that is shrinking quicker than his leadership. <laughs> And even I couldn't quite believe it when I saw that his government is expecting taxpayers to pay the legal fees for the member for Uxbridge defending himself over his lockdown rule-breaking. A quarter of a million pounds. Surely even this Prime Minister can put his foot down, stand up to his old boss and tell him he made the mess, he can pick up the bill. Mr Speaker, he can't
3: stand up to his union bosses. He can't, he, he, can't, he can't stand up for Britain's school children today, and he can't stand up for the women in his party. Mr. Speaker. We're getting on, we're halving inflation, we're growing the economy, we're reducing debt, we're cutting waiting lists, and we're stopping the boat. While he can't even figure out what he believes in, we'll keep delivering for Britain.
4: Thank you very much Mr Speaker. Would my right honourable friend agree with me that the integrated care boards must prioritise more access to new GP services especially in places like South Derbyshire where new housing estates are being built at the fastest rate in England and in particular on the new brownfield development of Drakeclo?
3: Well, Mr Speaker, the Government is committed to increasing the number of doctors in general practice, and last year saw the highest ever number of doctors except a GP training place. The BMAR consulted each year on the funding of GP services, and my honourable friend will know that the NHS has a statutory duty to ensure sufficient medical services, including general practice, in each local area.
1: Leader of the SNP, Stephen Flynn.
0: And Mr. Speaker, I'd like to pass on my condolences and indeed those of in my party to the First Minister of Wales and also to the family, friends, and colleagues of firefighter Barry Martin, who so sadly lost his life following the blaze in Edinburgh just last week. Mr. Speaker, we've just marked the three year anniversary of Brexit and we've learned. That they'll, not, they'll not be cheering in a moment, Mr. Speaker. <laughs> Because we have learned, we have learned three. We have learned three things: the UK's trade deficit has grown, the economy is being hit to the tune of a hundred billion pounds each year, and of course, and of course, we know that the UK's economy is expected to be the worst performing of all advanced nations. Does the Prime Minister still believe that the UK can afford not to be in the European Union?
1: Minister.
3: Well, uh, Mr. Speaker, if you actually look at it, since the uh, since since Brexit, the UK has grown exactly the same as Germany has, uh, Mr. Speaker. But uh, not only that, we are taking advantage of Brexit to deliver for the people across the UK. Whether it's the fishing and farming communities of Scotland, whether it's through the two new free ports that we've just announced, for Mr. Speaker, the difference between his party and ours is that we
0: respect referendums. Yes. Mr. Speaker, let's let's be clear. Taken together, 2022 and 2023 are expected to be the worst years for living standards since the 1930s, and the economy is expected to perform worse than sanction-hit Russia. So, as the Brexit ship sinks, with the Prime Minister and the leader of the opposition at the helm, does he blame those Scots who want to jump aboard the independence lifeboat? <laughs> uh,
3: Mr Speaker, the the number one factor that is impacting people's living standards is inflation caused by high energy prices as a result of a war in Ukraine, Mr Speaker. It has got nothing to do with Brexit, and that is why the Government is taking significant action, supporting every family with £900 this winter. But what I would say to him is, rather than obsess about constitutional arrangements focus on delivering for the people of Scotland. That's what we will do.
2: David Johnson. Thank you, Mr Speaker. The baby daughter of my constituents, Gary and Sarah Andrews, died just 23 minutes after uh, she was born. When they asked questions about that, the parents were told that these things happen and that um, if they had to listen to the concerns of of every mother, they would be overrun. Thanks to dogged campaigning by Gary and Sarah and other parents whose babies had died avoidably, Nottingham University Hospitals Trust was found to have systemic failures, and last week was given the highest fine that's ever been given for um, failings in maternity care. Does my right hon. Friend agree with me that this case, this situation, has to serve not just as a watershed moment for having the highest standards of maternity care, but also that when things do go wrong in something like an NHS trust or another public body, they have to be open and honest and transparent yeah. about their failings so that people can get the truth and not have it hidden from them.
4: Yeah.
3: Well, Mr Speaker, I'm very sorry to hear about the tragic case that my hon. Friend raises, and I know the whole House will join me in sending our thoughts to Gary and Sarah. We want to make sure that the NHS is the best and safest place in the world to give birth, and the NHS has taken steps to improve, but cases such as the one that my hon. Friend raises highlight that more must be done. Nottingham University Trust is receiving support from the expert maternity improvement advisers and, nationally, the Royal College is implementing the recommendations from the independent Ockenden report together with £127 million of extra investment. But my Honourable Friend is absolutely right. When situations like this do arise, transparency is paramount, so we can seek answers and make improvements.
1: Caroline Lucas.
5: Thank you very much, uh, Mr Speaker. It's nearly right 10 years since the tragic death of nine-year-old Ella Roberta, the first person ever to have air pollution listed on her death certificate. Yesterday's environmental improvement plan pledges to improve air quality but the government's targets are a 2040. That's a whole generation away. I don't think that's fast enough and neither does Ella's mum, Rosamond adu kissi Deborah. So on her mum's behalf, will the Prime Minister agree to meet us both to discuss the life-saving measures in a new proposed bill called Ella's Law?
3: Mr Speaker, it's obviously very sad to hear the case of Ella and our thoughts and hearts go out to her family. With regard to the legislation, as uh, my Honourable Friend the Environment Secretary will make a statement later today, we are confident that the measures we are putting in place are not only legally binding but also world-leading in tackling air quality. The record over the past ten years is one where every single air particulate has been reduced, with binding targets to continue reducing them in, in future and, indeed, the Environment Act makes sure that we have the capability, accountability and ambition we need to make all the effective interventions to drive down air pollution.
1: Dr Liam Fox. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Uh, compared to what some people seem to believe, 82% of the jobs in our economy are in the private sector, compared to 18% in the public sector. Most of those private sector jobs will be in small businesses, the small businesses that we will depend upon for wealth creation and prosperity in the future. Will my right honourable friend consider bringing in a small business test across government so that every regulation we produce, every bit of legislation we produce, will help not hinder small businesses? And does he share my ambition that every white van man and woman and every white a white coat tech worker in this country will regard the Conservative Party as their natural champions. Yeah! Well, my, uh,
3: my right honourable friend is absolutely right, and this government is proud to join with him in supporting small businesses. Uh, I'm pleased to tell my honourable friend that we do have a small business test to consider whether the impacts of regulatory changes will disproportionately affect small and micro-businesses. I will make sure that we are applying that test rigorously, and he will be pleased to know that many small businesses will benefit from billions of pounds in business rates reductions this coming financial year, as well as our annual investment allowance, which at a £1 million is the most generous tax incentive for investment for small businesses anywhere in the world.
0: And
4: Mr. Speaker, this morning, just two hours ago, I launched the APPG on prepayment meters. I did so because most people on these meters are on very low incomes, and yet they pay more per unit of energy than the Prime Minister does. They pay higher daily standing charges than the Prime Minister. They're automatically disconnected from their energy supply the second they run out of money. And and perversely, right now, record numbers of people are being forced onto them by the energy companies. Can the Prime Minister even begin to imagine how terrifying that moment is when the lights go out and everything shuts down? And will he agree with me, rather than reading out, please, what he's got written in front of him, will he just agree with me that what I've just described is completely, completely unfair?
3: Mr Speaker, the Government does recognise the challenges facing those on prepayment metres and that is why the Government is taking action. The Secretary of State has set out five very specific points on prepayment metres. Energy suppliers are being spoken to to make sure that they treat customers with the respect and flexibility that they deserve. And, finally, Offgem uh, have announced that they are launching a review into supplier practices in relation to prepayment meters. But all of this, Mr Speaker, comes on top of the considerable financial support that this Government has provided to help people with their energy bills, with more of that support being targeted at the most vulnerable families in our society.
5: Thank you, Mr. Speaker. After 8,000 residents of Redditch signed my petition to bring back chemotherapy to the Alex, the trust reversed their decision to leave it at Kidderminster. Yeah, 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 yeah. A fantastic win for our town, and I'm grateful to the local acute trust for listening so carefully and changing their mind. So, does the Prime Minister agree with me? that it is right that the Acute Trust can change its mind on the provision of maternity and <coughs> paediatric services so that women can give birth in our wonderful town of Redditch. Yeah.
3: Well, Mr Speaker, my Honourable Friend has clearly been a fantastic advocate for the Alex and for her constituents. We have awarded £10.5 million to the local trust, and I understand that some of that funding is being used to improve maternity and paediatric services at the nearby Worcestershire Royal. Uh, my Honourable Friend will know that these operational decisions are being made by integrated care boards, and I know that she will continue to make her views known.
1: Andrew Graham. Mr Speaker, if I had a pound for every time I would heard the Prime Minister's weak excuses, I would be able to pay
3: the former Chancellor's tax bill, because it was last
4: July that it was reported that the National Crime Agency had investigated the right hon. member for Stratford-on-Avon. The
3: then Prime Minister knew. The media knew.
4: Yes. We all knew. Yes. It's
3: inconceivable that the current Prime Minister yeah. didn't know. Yeah. So why did he choose to ignore it?
5: That's right. yeah. uh,
4: m-
3: Mr Speaker, I appointed an independent adviser to fully examine the matter, establish facts and and report back. That, that's the process that the party opposite
1: called for. That's the process that we followed. John Penrose? Uh, Mr Speaker, two years ago the Prime Minister commissioned me to propose 30 ways to boost growth and make Britain the most competitive country in the world. So far we are underway with about half of them, but some of the most valuable, like reforming ponderous and expensive utilities regulators or building on our international lead in open banking, haven't moved at all. So will he meet with me to discuss how to channel our inner Nigel Lawsons and unblock the arteries of our economy with low-cost, pro-competition, supply-side
2: reforms.
3: Mr Speaker, my hon. Friend has a long track record in advocating for and implementing policies that increase our competitiveness and reform the supply-side of our economy. His report was fantastic, and I look forward to meeting with him to discuss them further and help drive growth in this country.
4: West. Mr. Mr Speaker, ambulance waiting times are out of control. My constituency Uh, My constituent contacted me regarding her 93-year-old mother, who lay collapsed on the ground at home for 17 hours and then queued for 13 hours to get into the hospital. And Yet on Monday, the Prime Minister said he had his fingers crossed that ambulance waiting times would be reduced. Does he really think that is (laughs) enough?
3: Mr. Speaker, if the honourable lady actually looked, we published on Monday a comprehensive plan to reduce wait times in A&E and with ambulances. Uh, it was backed with more funding and reform of the system, more beds, more ambulances, more staff. And, and, and indeed, And Mr Speaker, it was a plan that was warmly welcomed by all of those working in emergency care and the ambulance services. They recognise that this plan will deliver reduced waiting times and improve care across the country, including in Labour-run Wales, where there are some things we can benefit them from.
2: Mr Speaker, if you grow up in Norfolk and you want to be a dentist, the nearest place you can train is in Birmingham or in London. So it's not really surprising, is it, that in Norfolk we have a dearth of dentists, whether it's NHS or private. We also know that where there is a dental training school, more dentists end up working locally. So will my right hon. Friend agree to look again at the benefits of establishing a dental training school alongside the excellent medical school at the University of East Anglia?
3: Well, uh, Mr Speaker, my hon. Friend will know that there are around 400 dentists with NHS activity in Norfolk and Waveney. But he's right, the centres of dental development build on the existing local infrastructure to help retain and recruit dentists. And I would advise him to encourage his local integrated care board to look at proposals for one of those centres in his area.
1: Mary Kelly Ford. Yeah, here.
5: Thank you, Mr. Speaker. The Prime Minister once said that he didn't have any working class friends. So we may not be aware that today that today, half a million hard-working people are on strike, including in his own constituency. Tory Britain isn't working. Is the Prime Minister going to get a grip and negotiate with working people, or does he intend being remembered as the PM who silenced and sacked Hard-working nurses, paramedics, yeah. teachers, real workers, and firefighters in a cost-of-living crisis.
4: Yeah.
3: Well, l- l- mis- Mr. Speakers, Mr. Speaker, when it-, when it comes to teachers, we've actually given teachers the highest pay rise in 30 years. It includes a 9% pay rise for newly qualified teachers and record investment in their training and development. I am clear that our children's education is precious and they deserve to be in school today being taught and actually the party opposite would do well to say that the strikes are wrong and we should be backing our school children.
0: Dr Neil Hudson.
4: Thank you Mr Speaker. Sadly suicide is the biggest killer of young people under 35 in the UK. My constituent Andy Airy along with Tim Owen and Mike Palmer are the three dads walking Andy, Tim and Mike each tragically lost their precious daughters Sophie, Emily and Beth to suicide and have campaigned tirelessly through charity walking for suicide awareness and prevention to be included in the school curriculum. I have been humbled to support them, including joining them on their UK walk as they came through Penrith, with their petition which is due for parliamentary debate on the 13th of March and with my early day motion which has support from right across the House. Would the Prime Minister join me in paying tribute to the three dads, and would he meet with me and the three dads to discuss suicide prevention and ultimately save young lives in the future?
3: Well, Mr Speaker, of course I pay tribute to Andy, Tim and Mike especially for channelling their own personal tragedies into such positive action to prevent this happening to other families. That is inspiring and they deserve enormous credit. Uh, The Government is taking action to improve the provision of mental health services for young people in schools and colleges, uh, but I would be delighted to meet with him and Andy, Mike and Tim to discuss what more we can do.
1: Ian Blackford Thank you, you, Mr
4: Speaker, and thank you for that welcome. (laughs) Ordinary people did not need to hear an IMF forecast to understand that the UK economy is the worst performer amongst the leading nations in the world. They live with it every day. People know their energy bills are through the roof. They know that 750,000 households— Face defaulting on their mortgages yeah. while house prices fall.
1: And they know that food prices are rising at a record rate of 16.7% as of today. The Prime Minister is 100 days in office, his party 13 years in power. In all that time, does the Prime Minister ever reflect that the only thing that the Tory party has been good at is pushing people into poverty?
4: Yeah. Yeah.
3: Oh, but, oh, Mr. Speaker. It, it, uh, it is wonderful to hear from uh, the Right Honourable Gentleman and uh, i love to see him in his place. What, what I would say is that we're continuing to deliver for people across the UK, including and in Scotland. He mentioned poverty. Poverty today, lower than when the Conservatives first came into office. Inequality, lower than when the Conservatives first came into office. And the number of people in low pay, the lowest on record.
4: Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Uh, Today, in my constituency, there is a great sense of shock and disbelief following last night's horrific dog attack uh, that killed a four year old girl. The police investigation is still going on, and it wouldn't be appropriate to uh, speculate on the circumstances. But it would mean a great deal if, on behalf of the House, the Prime Minister could send our condolences to the family and to the community, and to thank the emergency services for dealing with this situation with their customary compassion and professionalism. Yeah.
3: Prime well, I thank my hon. Friend and send my condolences—and I'm sure the whole House's condolences—to the girls' family and the community after this horrific incident. And I join him in thanking the emergency services. They have responded rapidly. And professionally, and I know that my honourable friend himself will be supporting them and his constituents during this difficult time.
1: Christine Jardine.
5: Uh, thank you very much, Mr Deputy Speaker. This past weekend. Can I,
4: can I blame
0: the pain? Can
5: I blame. Can I blame the painkillers
1: <laughs>
4: <laughs>
5: Apologies, Mr. Speaker, and thank you. Um, this past weekend, I uh, visited a charity which was hosting an exhibition in my constituency about metastatic breast cancer, um, which claims 31 lives each day in the United Kingdom. And the women there asked me to convey at the first opportunity to the government. The need for more awareness more support more research and more drug availability <clears throat> can I ask the Prime Minister if he will do that if he will help to bring that support but also I have written to the Scottish government asking for their support if in his next meeting with the first Minister he would mention it to her
4: well,
3: mr Mr Speaker, can I pay tribute to the charity that the Honourable Lady mentioned and for the work they do. She's absolutely right. Awareness is key in tackling and identifying breast cancer symptoms early. Uh, one of the reasons why we're investing more in diagnostic and uh, screening tools to make sure that we can detect more cancers earlier and treat them and, and ultimately save people's lives. I, I would be happy to pick up this particular topic with the First Minister when I next speak to her and ensure that we are working together to improve cancer services for everyone, regardless of where they live in the
1: UK. Yeah,
4: yeah. Shalish
1: Uh, Thank you, Mr Speaker. In the United Kingdom government's negotiations with the EU regarding the Northern Ireland Protocol, would the Prime Minister kindly confirm to the House that the sovereignty of the United Kingdom and its four nations will not be compromised?
3: Mr Mr. Speaker, I can give my honourable friend that assurance. I know this is something that he cares passionately about. The implementation of the protocol is having an impact for communities in Northern Ireland. Uh, That's why it needs to be addressed, and that's what we are attempting to do through constructive dialogue. But the goal in that must be to ensure Northern Ireland's place in our precious union. Kim Jones.
5: Thank you Mr Speaker since the election of the fascist israeli government in december last year there has been an increase in human rights violations against palestinian civilians including children so can the prime minister tell us how he is challenging what amnesty and other human rights organizations are referring to an apartheid state
3: Well, Mr. Speaker, the the Honourable Lady also failed to mention the horrific attacks on civilians inside Israel as well. Uh, And it's important in this matter to to remain calm and urge all sides to strive for peace. And that's very much what I will do as Prime Minister and in the conversations that I've had with the Israeli Prime Minister.
0: Sir John Hayes, final.
1: Mr. Speaker, in uh, 2016, the British people had the wisdom and foresight to take back control from foreign foreign lawmakers. And when they they did so, they believed we were taking back control of our borders. Yet since that time, we have faced wave after wave of illegal migration. So will, my right hon. Friend, without further delay, bring forward the necessary legislation to turn back the tide and fulfill the promise that was made to the british people then yeah. well uh, mr speaker my honourable
3: friend makes uh, an excellent point that's why one of this governments five priorities and promises to the British people is indeed to stop the boats. We will introduce new legislation that makes it unequivocally clear that if you arrive in this country illegally you will not be able to stay. We will swiftly detain you and remove you to your own country or a safe third alternative. That is the right and
5: responsible way to tackle this problem.
1: Complaints, questions.